Welcome to episode 19 of Upshift, the New Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks we give you an edge on Essence 20. I'm Ryan Costello, one of the designers of the Essence 20 system and an author on the G.I. Joe, Transformers, and My Little Pony role-playing game, Core Rulebooks, as well as others. And I'm Jason Keeley, former Renegade Game Studios RPG developer. Before we begin, although we both worked for Renegade and Essence 20 in some capacity, Upshift is not associated with or produced by Renegade Game Studios, and this is not an official Essence 20 podcast. That's right. Now, Jason, when I introduce myself, I, I say the three core rule books that I wrote because that yeah. feels super important, and then I say, and others. And the majority mm-hmm. of those others are coming out in a couple of months at Gen Con. That's true. So Gen Con is the same weekend as my cousin's wedding. And so oh, no. okay. up until recently, I was choosing family over career and gaming, but I, I just couldn't. I, I got mm. a random message from some friends that I only see at Gen Con and they were like, are we going to mm. see you? I was like, no, I really want to go for this reason and that reason and that reason. And no, you know what? That's too many reasons. So I talked to my cousin. <laughs> I have bowed out of the wedding. Uh, even though it's a cousin on my side of the family, my wife is still going because, you know, she, she loves sure. a good party. So my my household will be represented at the party, but That's I'm good. going to Gen Con. You weren't in the wedding party in any way, were you? No, 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 no. You no, just no. invited uh, to the wedding. Okay, good, good, good. Off to the side on my own table. Yes, that's good. Uh, yeah, this it's not fun when you have to pick family over... Uh, you know, this is one part business, one part pleasure trip. Mm-hmm. And Gen Con actually falls on uh, my daughter's birthday. My youngest of the two daughters, uh, fairly frequently, it'll fall on it because, you know, Gen Con moves around in August. Yeah. Um, but in this case, because of that wedding, we'd already made plans ahead of time to have her birthday the week prior on my birthday. Okay. So I'm okay. giving up my birthday for her, which means I feel like I'm... Once again, justified in going to this con. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I know it sounds like I'm making a lot of excuses because I am. Well, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't uh, I won't be going to Gen Con again this year, but eventually one day I'd love to go back. When was the last time you went? 2019. Oh, okay. So yeah, there there wasn't one in 2020. So yeah, so you went to the That's last right, yeah. live one, or was there a live one last year? Hmm. I think there was a live one last year. Yeah, I think that one yeah. was hybrid. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So Paizo's not sending you? You figure you're working on I it. I opted out. I, I chose oh, okay. not to go. It's less that Paizo isn't sending me. I, I could I could have gone if I wanted to, but also I I still am wary to go to these big conventions. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what my mask situation is gonna be. I'm definitely gonna be wearing it on the plane. And yeah. I'll definitely have a lot of masks with me in my baggage. Uh, I'll double check Gen Con's mask policy. Maybe it's just, if they just made it mandatory, that makes it easier on everybody. Unfortunately, this year they not, decided okay. they couldn't. I, it's something about, I think, Indiana law makes you can't or something make it mandatory or some nonsense like that. It's, 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 I don't appreciate it. That's for sure. Yeah. It was like, man, I think that they had masking mandatory last year when it was the hybrid. Um, and, but this year, it's just like, well, I guess we can't do anything. I'm like, oh, well, then I guess I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now you got me nervous. Sorry, sorry. No, no, <laughs> valid though. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to, you know, necessarily 
push this on anybody, but you know, that's just sort of my feelings on the matter. Yeah, fair enough. It's not completely gone yet, and yeah, who knows if it will ever will be completely gone. Mm, yeah, unfortunate. So even though I've now I've booked a flight, I've booked a, a hotel mm-hmm. for Gen Con. I actually have right? only one thing on my agenda right now. And that is that I have volunteered to be the Master of Ceremonies for Worlds Collide Battle for the Multiverse multi-table event. So that is the Essence 20 multi-table event. G.I. Joe, Power Rangers, and Transformers all working together to take on Lord Mindwaves. Yeah. And that was another thing that, like, for all the releases with my name on it that I was missing out on. The fact that I wrote this, I'd been working very closely with uh, Jordan Gaeta about how this would work, and then that I wouldn't mm-hmm. actually get to participate in this was kind of a bummer. So uh, not only will sense. I be po- uh, participating, I'll be, you know, on the, in, on the main stage and directing the logistics, d- directing the the GMs who are then going to be running the event themselves. Um, all right, all right. So I think not only will I have fun, I think the fact that I have some experience uh, not running, but at least participating in Paizo's multi-table player event, uh, multi mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, multi-table events um, mm-hmm. means that I, I have a little more experience with this and will be able to run it more smoothly than Jordan, who it would have been his first time doing anything like this right. at all. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. And uh, there was an update to the description of Worlds Collide Battle for the Multiverse. All players get a free copy of the Field Guide to Action and Adventure. Wow. Like a, a physical copy? A physical copy. Wow. You, okay, you... well. Walk out of that hall with uh, not only an experience of a lifetime, but also a free copy of the field guide. That's great. And we're talking a little bit about the field guide today. So mm-hmm. the field guide to action adventure, I think is such a game changer for Essence 20 and such a robust book that originally I was thinking we would dedicate two episodes to it. This would be the first one where we just talk mm-hmm. about crossovers kind of broadly and touch on some of how it's addressed in the field guide. And then the next episode would be the breakdown I think the episode after that, we could do threat design and just kind of make it a, a trifecta of field guide sure. related episodes in a row. Yeah. You know, one of them will be the dedicated one to the book, but the ones blank uh, bracketing it will be just kind of covering the ground that it covers. Because again, this is, there is so much going on with this book. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us to today's topic, which is crossovers. And before we dive into it, Jason, I have a question for you. What's that? Were you in on this? Is that in on what? Okay. Let me lay some things out for you. Okay. Even though the Field Guide to Action Adventure, people who pre-ordered have had the PDF for, I believe, two months at this point. It was one of the biggest stretches right. between the PDF for pre-ordering, the people receiving it, and the book having an official release date. The official release date was last Monday. Okay. Now, three days before that, Transformers Rise of the Beast came out. Great. Two days after that, Void Rivals number one from Sky Brown Press came out. Okay. Transformers Rise of the Beast has an after credit scene where a character in it is recruited to G.I. Joe. By name. What? Yeah. they. Oh, Whoa. Spoilers then. Um, yeah, but in this Transformers yeah. movie, they flat out finally say, like, G.I. Joe and Transformers share a universe in uh, the cinematic universe. We don't know if it's... The old G.I. Joe movies are now being brought into this, if it's going to be a new G.I. Joe cinematic universe, but uh, completely kept under wraps until people started seeing the previews of the movie uh, that this is actually the start of some kind of Hasbro uh, joint universe. Wow. And then we get to Void Rivals. Crazy. So Void Rivals doesn't look like a G.I. Joe or Transformers book. No. 
But about halfway through, these two aliens that are stuck on a planet in a very enemy mind situation, they, uh, oh, oh, look, they've uncovered some kind of spaceship. Maybe they'll be able to get off this asteroid that they're stranded on together. Mm-hmm. That spaceship is Jetfire. Oh, the okay. Autobot. Heck yeah. And he flat out says like, oh no, I have to get back to Cybertron. He flies off. And then at the end, it's explained that Skybound now has the G.I. Joe and Transformers licenses. They're creating the Energon universe, which is a new comic book shared universe between G.I. Joe Transformers. Also completely kept under wraps. It was not yeah. like it's not on the cover anywhere. It's really can't tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so sandwiched in between these two secret Hasbro crossovers was our book about Hasbro crossovers. And you got to figure that was not a coincidence. I guess not. <laughs> it did. This is all news to me. Jason, if you're like pretending you didn't know anything to hide I the conspiracy, had, I, I am impressed. I had literally had no, like I had no clue. And I uh, feel like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I thought I'm leaning to that it might be a bit of a coincidence, but really, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's 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 it, it's a big one if it is. It is a coincidence, and other people other people could have, you know, been in on this and then never told me. Right, I, I so, didn't know. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I you know, I I developed the book, and mm -hmm. it was sort of like you know, get this, you know, we have this, and maybe it was pushed forward in time you know to have a release date around this period because of all this but no one ever told me right yeah it's really interesting in fact um it actually made some mainstream news coverage uh, funny enough i feel like void rivals got more of the attention than oh. a rise of the beast even though you know you figure cinematic universe would be yeah. a bigger deal and it's not like rise of the beast didn't do well it was number one in the box office for its debut week and still doing okay yeah. Uh, which, you know, not all the blockbusters that came out recently can say the same thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I, I like even like ever since Essence 20 was announced or even before that, when it was announced that Renegade had all these licenses, I was always arguing that G.I. Joe, as much as I love it and as proud as I am to be on the G.I. Joe design team, it feels like the brand of the four with the least like cultural currency at the moment that, you know, it, yeah. it had its yeah. time and now it's just kind of. Not necessarily running on fumes, but definitely is just now appealing more to a niche audience. So for G.I. Joe to be back in mainstream and being uh, talked about on news sites is really exciting. The downside is that it's this hybrid universe version of G.I. Joe. So I don't know exactly how yeah. much it will feel like the G.I. Joe that I love the like, and the reasons that I love it. And how much will it be instead of a generic military force, we've got G.I. Joe in there. Yeah, I... I mean, we won't, uh, you know, probably know anything for a little bit until someone starts spilling the tea on what this, uh, you know, connection to, to, to Rise of the Beasts is. Yeah, well, so it's funny, um, like four years ago or so, when everyone was announcing their cinematic universes, Hasbro announced they were yeah. doing a cinematic universe. And it was G.I. Joe, Mask, Visionaries, mm -hmm. Micronauts, uh, and one other. I don't think it was Wrong, but anyway, it was specifically we're not touching transformers because i guess at the right. time it was the golden goose and so they didn't want that to be they didn't want some sure universe to take away from transformers and so gi joe was then instead like the lead of this second string of hasbro right. brands 
not that I, I have any issue with any of those brands. I actually am a fan of most of them. Um, but even just looking at it, it's like Visionaries is this, it's like a fantasy mm. brand. So I don't even know how they're going to fit it all together. And the, um, around the same time, like it was when people immediately got tired of hearing about these uh, shared universes. Because it was when yeah. uh, Universal announced the Dark Universe that it would be yeah. uh, the Mummy and mm-hmm. Dracula Untold, yeah, and yeah. like we saw cast photos of like Angelina Jolie is in this, and uh, right, yeah, uh, not Brad Pitt, um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is in this, and this is oh, going to yeah, be a yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's like we got two movies in. Nobody wanted to see a Mummy reboot, let alone a Mummy reboot without Brendan Fraser, and yeah. that whole thing petered out. The uh, DC's cinematic universe was just struggling from the start. And yeah. so uh, I guess just Hasbro quietly, you know, closed the lid on that idea. And this is the first time that they've come back to it. But this one feels like it's the more natural, the most organic shared universe we've had since Marvel and yeah. DC. Well, I mean, the way the Marvel Cinematic one did, it was sort of natural. It wasn't like, they didn't go like, hey, everybody, all these movies are connected. They were just like, hey, we're going to make him, you know, an Iron Man movie and an Incredible Hulk movie. And then at the end, some tree, you know, we, oh, now they're getting connected. And you got a little surprise about it. It wasn't announced ahead of time. And I think that's what the reason why people got kind of bored with it or, you know, didn't get excited because you don't, you can't just say you're having a shared universe. You have to build up to it. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, like the way they just did it, is almost exactly the way it was done in Iron Man. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And yet somehow this is only the first people to do the Iron Man format since Marvel, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, 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 without saying a bunch of stuff beforehand, or just sort of like, yeah, dropping in little bits. Yeah, because like right now it's wide open. G.I. Joe could be anything. All we know is yeah. that there's a connection, and that's enough to get excited. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So as far as the comics... What has been announced is that the, in November, there's going to be Transformers number one, Duke number one, and Cobra Commander number one. So we're not getting a G.I. Oh. Joe number one yet. We're starting off okay. with its two, I guess we're calling them the main characters. And uh, in like the the uh, like the like product solicitation, it specifically says that Cobra Commander has found out about Energon, and he wants it. And so it feels mm. like Cobra is going to be formed either because he gets his hands on Energon and it's going to be something that fuels all of their technology or he's going to build Cobra in the bid to get Energon. One way or another, Mm -hmm. it definitely feels like right from the start, this G.I. Joe, this Cobra will be tied into Transformers. Uh, Yeah, so I was going to ask why it was called the Energon universe because it seems that's very Transformers focused. But if it's Cobra, yeah, doing something. It does reflect something that came up during the Field Guide to Action Adventure, and that is that there is no name for like the Hasbroverse. Like there, yeah. We even we're to, we're calling the event at Gen Con Worlds Collide Battle for the Multiverse. Fairly generic way of describing crossover things because it just it's not the Marvel universe, it's not the DC universe. It's these yeah. interconnected brands that are connected by the company that owns them, which I guess is what Marvel and DC do as well. Just yeah. It, it doesn't have a label. And so this Energon universe, that's the first time that the Transformers G.I. Joe shared space has some kind of label, even though the label skews completely Transformers. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, had you told me it was a Transformers and GoBots universe, it's like, yeah, okay, Energon. Like, there's there's nothing about the Energon universe that even suggests G.I. Joe is a part of it. Yeah, and I wonder if they're going to loop in any other properties with this or not eventually that's true they could the fact that there hasn't been a transformers power rangers crossover 
is bizarre. Like it really feels yeah. like those two work together really well. And both brands have crossed over with a whole bunch of other brands, uh, yeah. including, uh, so I've already made the banner for this episode and it is uh, Ryu when he was in G.I. Joe, Ryu mm -hmm. when he was a Power Ranger and Ryu when he was a Transformer. So Ryu okay. from Street Fighter has crossed <laughs> right, right, over yeah, with yeah. all three of our brands, even though our three brands wow. have like Transformers and Jojo cross over constantly. We'll talk about that in a yeah. second. But uh, Power Rangers has just kind of been over to this side while the other Hasbro properties are over here. I mean, it might be because it's live action, you know, for the most sure. part. And the other ones are animated. So it's, uh, you'd have to whether or not you would animate one. And I mean immediately putting uh, coming to mind is the there's the uh the star trek thing that's happening later this year oh yeah a, a little crossover yeah which is a, an animated show crossing over with a live action show so um and should it's, be interesting. the animated characters are being live action yes. instead of the opposite which feels like which the easier seem, way to do it it does seem like that's the harder way to do it yeah <laughs> uh so uh while we're talking about crossovers i figured we'd talk a little bit about some of the history of how these brands have crossed over uh, so of the four brands, the two that cross over the most are G.I. Joe and Transformers. Mm -hmm. uh, but right from the beginning, there was also a connection to My Little Pony from all the Hasbro brands. So um, on, on a meta level, they were all produced by Sunbow, which was mm -hmm. an advertisement company that got into making commercials for kids because yeah. there, there was not a big difference. Uh, although I still do mm -hmm. respect that the creatives behind it really did put making interesting stories and stuff as a priority above just being like right. bland shills. Um, but one thing that connected all of those universes was this one character named Hector Ramirez, who was basically uh, Geraldo Rivera, and he mm. showed up on an episode of G.I. Joe. He, like, kind of ambushed them on the base and was, like, saying, oh, you're wasting government resources. Like, the war on Cobra isn't real. And so mm. um, Flint just, like, gives him to Shipwreck <laughs> and to basically solve two of Flint's problems by having Shipwreck and Hector Ramirez uh, preoccupied <laughs> each other. Uh, but then it ends up the cameraman was actually the Baroness in disguise. And oh it was all a trap to get onto Cobra Base. Um, and then Hector Ramirez just shows up a couple of times again. Um, anyway, he just becomes a recurring character of whenever they need an investigative reporter, he would show sure. up on G.I. Joe a couple more times. But then this same character, by name, shows up on Transformers and Jem and My Little Pony. Jem, wow. Yeah, Jem too. So... I it's a stretch to say that this is a, an important connection, but it is a connection. Just the fact that this character did show up across all four of them. They were all being produced around the same time by the same company, shared a lot of the same writers. So you can see that there was at least some implication that all four of these brands were going on at the same time. Um, I don't remember how he was worked into my little pony, but I, I do know that he was one of the human characters that showed up on the okay. original animated series. He, he wasn't a pony. Okay. No, no, he was. Um, oh, that would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta ask: Is does Gem take place in the future or? Nope, Gem takes place. Uh, Gem takes now. Okay, yeah. never really. I never really watched it, so I'm not. Was never really sure. Yeah, there was like... some future tech that was developed by Gem's right. dad, and that allowed her to be the pop star by day, and then like uh, Miley right. Cyrus by night. Uh, by yeah. sorry, no, pop star by night, and then just regular person by day. By day, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, like. I I started rewatching some of Gem while it was on Netflix. That show just starts with her like a monologue about her dad dying. Like oh, it's geez. it's a much heavier start to that show than I remember. Yeah, yeah. Which I shouldn't be surprised. The my fondest or my most vivid memory of Gem was the "Don't Do Drugs" episode, 
And just mm. at one point, some fan of gems is tripping out on something and thinks a lamp turns into a bird and flies out the window. And so she chases after the bird and falls. And the bird was all like trippy and psychedelic. So yeah, you know, a gem, uh, just like all these other cartoons, was a little more adult than <laughs> you would assume. And at the same time that Sunbow was doing the animated universes for these characters, uh, Marvel was doing the comic book universes and, again, had the license for all of them. And so started doing some crossovers with uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers. Um, The most famous one was a a four-part miniseries uh, in which the Joes blow up Bumblebee and um, he gets rebuilt into Goldbug, which at the time, I guess Hasbro just didn't know how to make another version of the same character and so the idea was Goldbug is Bumblebee but his new body new name cooler personality uh and the same thing something similar happened on the cartoon where he was blown up and then rebuilt uh, yeah uh but that um that miniseries is kind of infamous because it was in continuity with both titles and at the time uh, Optimus Prime was killed off in the main title and so If you're just reading this G.I. Joe uh, Transformers crossover, it's like issue one, Optimus Prime is there. Issue two, Optimus Prime's funeral takes place in the middle of it. And I think Blaster takes over as the new leader. And like, there's just weird continuity errors and just the, like, you can, you can hear the editorial Mm -hmm. interference as the thing goes on. So I couldn't even tell you what the plot was other than that they were working together and that it is notoriously a mess. Hmm. That's the tricky thing with it. I mean, I feel like anytime I've looked at even like a comic book event like that, it's always just like, and then to get the, you know, something happens and to get the background on this, you've got to read this other mini series or, or issue 55 of another series. I'm like, I just want to like, (laughs) I just want one story throughout the, you know, I'm just reading, I'm reading the crossover book. So I want it to be able to be a complete story. I don't need all these things coming in. So yeah, tr- tricky, very tricky, especially when you, a crossover for big, uh, 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 ongoing universes happening, right? And then you yeah. just smoosh them together. You've got it. It it gets chaotic. I, not talking to Joe Transformers, but I remember in the '90s, uh, there were a lot of crossovers where it would be like one company would do one miniseries and then the other company would do another miniseries, mm-hmm. and the Punisher meets Batman one. The first one was Frank Castle meets Bruce Wayne. And then the second one was, it might have been like Frank and Castle. No, it wasn't Frank and Castle, but it was some weird version of the Punisher oh, meets wow. uh, Jean-Paul Valley as the like Azrael Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it like that kind of thing was happening so often because there were so many of these like mini reboots of famous characters in the 90s. Right. Yeah. Uh, So going back to the Marvel comics, there was a second crossover between G.I. Joe and Transformers. And this one was purely within the G.I. Joe title. So it was G.I. Joe featuring the Transformers. And this is when uh, Transformers was making its first comeback. So it's odd to know that G.I. Joe way outlasted Transformers in its original run to the point that Mm. G.I. Joe started before and was still going by the time the Transformers had come, gone, and was making a comeback with Generation 2. That's interesting. Yeah, so uh, it, and it is towards the end of the G.I. Joe comic run, but there are issues where um, Destro's in the Silent Castle, and Silent Castle can be reconfigured. So he's uh, he's being chased by Cobra agents. He goes into the control room. He's messing with them. He's moving um, rooms around. And then from space, Megatron sees that, and he's like, there's a Cybertronian on this planet. 
that's good. <laughs> I need help. And he shows up. He's taken all kinds of battle damage. He was almost dead. And he comes crawling up to, to Cobra Commander, who he meets at the Silent Castle. And he's like, fix me. And Cobra Commander's like, ooh, maybe I will. <laughs> and I don't remember if it's two or three issues, but this is when Megatron gets rebuilt as a tank. There's about all 10 right. double crosses between the two of them as uh, of the course. the uh, two issues go on. Uh, but then uh, Megatron flies off and um, Generation 2 gets its own spin-off comic book. So... Uh, hmm. It, it was like a, a successful backdoor pilot for Generation Two Transformers. Oh yeah, that'd be that's interesting then to think that that second generation <laughs> of the comics is because Cobra Commander, yep, you know, found Megatron. And it would have been interesting. Like both of the comics, I think, only lasted one or two more years after that. But it would have been interesting if this had really been a resuscitation of both of the lines and things that kept going for years to come, how often yeah. they would have crossed over, how casually yeah. they would have acknowledged that the two exist in the same space. Cool. Um, and then uh, when G.I. Joe and Transformers both made their comebacks in the early 2000s, um, they switched publishers quite a bit, but those publishers tend to then do uh, Transformers miniseries, and it, those always had their own continuity. And so that's why, uh, that that way they were able to make some interesting uh, takes on it. One of them was, uh, this one was published by Image, and Cobra is the ones that reactivates the Cybertronians when they uh, find them crashed in the Ark. And okay. so um, they give them alt modes based on Cobra vehicles. So Optimus Prime becomes a his tank. Actually, most of them become his tanks. Uh, and that becomes <laughs> the real draw of the series that you see familiar characters but mixed in with the cobra vehicles and then there was a second uh, miniseries that came out around the same time it was set in world war ii and so mm -hmm. now you're getting to see the transformers as world war ii tanks which is cool you're getting to see the gi joes as world war ii soldiers it was interesting and uh, had a real cool visual but the last five pages are so hard to follow I'm pretty uh, sure Optimus Prime and Snake Eyes sacrificed themselves to stop Cobra, but it's not even clear. So oh it was a, that was a really solid miniseries, and then it ended on kind of a, a sad note. Mm, awkward. Yeah. And then one of the later miniseries uh, took the movie cast. So it was like right. Unicron teaming up with Cobra Law. And this was like only the second time Cobra Law had ever been used in media. Hmm. But uh, it, it was fun. These like standalone, no continuity uh miniseries meant they could kill off characters they can do whatever they want with yeah. characters sometimes they overindulged in the fact that they could just kill off characters <laughs> instead of using it for interesting storytelling reasons uh, yeah i mean that's, that's classic comic book stuff was yeah. you know the the zombies version or the marvel 1602 or something you don't know what's going to happen so they just go nuts and uh, most of the time kill everybody yeah <laughs> Oh, actually, sorry, I forgot to point out. So one of the other cool things about this crossover is that Cobra Commander's wielding Megatron. So oh, yeah, most yeah. of the uh, Cybertronians, they'd kept them in like a, a stupor so that they were able to control them. But he wanted Megatron's tactical mind, so he uh, forced him to stay in his alt mode. But he was consulted, like they were having conversations. Megatron was not happy about the situation. And so, yeah. you know, Cobra Commander gets his comeuppance at the end. But it is cool to see Cobra Commander walking around with Megatron. Uh, and this was the logo that they had put together. Oh, so a nice cute. Yeah. combination of the two. Nice. And then uh, more recently, there was the Transformers and My Little Pony. Uh, there were two crossover miniseries in the comics. And these were absurd. And they know. Oh, it. yeah. I, yeah. 
Oh, you've I read, read them? I think I read them. I read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like so um they both have like this framing device of the crossover has started, why something has happened, and then it just goes into these micro uh stories. Like I think each issue right, yeah. is just two standalone stories uh teaming up one of the ponies and one of the uh the the Cybertronians. Uh they're they're fun, they're light, they definitely lean towards my little pony in tone. Sure, yeah. But uh, whoever the writer was, I probably should have grabbed that. Um, they understood the characters and they really knew how to pick the pairings. Yeah, there, there's a lot of fun pairings. I can't actually remember any of them. Now. Which is the who? They, they paired a pony. Up, they paired up a, a transformer with one of the the pony who was really into fashion, and I can't remember. So that's Rarity. I think it was RC and Rarity. Rarity came up yeah, in yeah, the first right. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one stuck in my mind for some reason. Well, uh, I think the one that most people remember is uh, Fluttershy, who is good with animals, teams up with Soundwave, who has all those cassettes that pop out of them. Mm -hmm. And so they just bond over being, you know, pet parents. (laughs) It's pretty good. And then uh, over the years, there have been crossovers, again, mostly G.I. Joe and Transformers, but in the action figure department. Uh, Most recently, it was that Megatron Hiss Tank which for the first time a Transformer was large enough to have G.I. Joe's riding it in vehicle mode mm-hmm. and then also transform and be like a, a, a fairly proper scale of much larger than uh, G.I. Joe action figures. Uh, so they put out the Megatron Hiss Tank with Baroness and then the Bumblebee Awestriker with Stalker. And uh, people, you cannot bring up Bumblebee Awestriker without people saying like, it should not have been Bumblebee or it should not have been an Awestriker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it was going to be Bumblebee, actually, I don't think people have good suggestions for what Bumblebee should have been, but the Ostriker, they say it should have been Hound, it should have been um, mm-hmm. Beachcomber, which, like, they start going down the list of less well-known characters that, yes, yeah. they make more sense, but as far as if you're trying to sell a toy, I can understand why Hasbro went with one of its most famous characters. Right, and Optimus Prime would have been too big, so... Yeah, there's been no yeah. announcement for Optimus Prime. There was an announcement. That's weird. It's Soundwave is going to be the Thunder Machine, which is the Dreadnought, that like mm. Mad Max style thrown together vehicle. That one I'm having trouble picturing, but it comes with a Zartan and a Zorana. So mm-hmm. uh, that one's starting to get a little bit bigger. And there's rumors that there's going to be some kind of Triple T Transformer while Hasbro mm. still has the Sergeant Slaughter license. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool. Um, as far as other ones, there was always these unofficial ones, usually Transformers adapting G.I. Joe vehicles into uh, Transformer mode. So this is a vehicle called Snowcat. Like the, the, the character's right. name is Snowcat. It's clearly based on the G.I. Joe Snowcat. And actually, I would have liked to have used him in um, Cobra Confusion, the uh, free RPG day. Oh, yeah, we should right. plug that free RPG day is this weekend. Um, yeah, this the, weekend. the free RPG day crossover. Um Anyway, I don't want to spoil it. So there is a character that I used instead of Snowcat, but Snowcat would have been uh, played like a role in it if I was allowed to. But exactly what generation of toys we're allowed to use uh, based yeah. on the license. Because I only work on Transformers kind of like o- occasionally, uh, I suggested Snowcat. I was told that's outside of our license and I just accepted it and moved on to another character that I was perfectly happy to use. Uh, mm-hmm. The connection between G.I. Joe and, Co- uh, and uh, Transformers is less, but still kind of there. Uh, and then there was a, um, a jet, a Decepticon jet called Viper uh, that is clearly based on the Rattler. It's a blue 
uh, A-10 bomber, and it's got Cobra logos on its wings. So, uh, yeah, just, again, in this era of, like, we're not really going to do crossovers, but every now and then we're going to throw a crossover right. illusion out in the on the toy aisle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then San Diego Comic-Con had a lot of... Uh, they had really fun multi-packs where it would be, like, they would include a uh, a vamp... And they would put the stickers on it like the vamp was Hound. It couldn't transform, but this is what mm. Hound would look like if he was a vamp. Uh, but what was really fun is that they came in boxes with art that looked like it was from comics that this co- this pack was about, but it was all original art. It was just implying oh, that it was like an adaptation of a comic book. So it was like uh, there was Baroness came with uh, uh, Ravage, so the 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 panther and came with a leash so that baroness could walk pan- uh, uh, ravage <laughs> and that was depicted in the art as as though this action scene took place in some comic took place happened yeah yeah <laughs> so that is a, a brief history of when these brands have crossed over um what time are we looking at uh, i wanted to actually go into some of what the field guide suggests for crossovers uh what are we at 34 minutes already all right we can do this so, from a storytelling perspective, what are your thoughts on crossovers? What do you think, uh, when do you think they're done well? And what are some of the crossover tropes that you think people should avoid? Sometimes I, uh, um, you know, most of the times the crossovers I can think of are because they come from a sort of a shared universe already. Like a DC crossover or a Marvel crossover It's just sort of like, hey, these two groups are together sometimes it's done and and the other times that i can think of how it's done i guess a little less well is just when like two shows are kind of on the same network and then (laughs) they just kind of like oh wait these and they're like almost i i'm 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 re-watching warehouse 13 uh which is an old sci-fi show and i most recently re-watched eureka which was an old sci-fi show that was on the same time. But like Eureka is all about like science going crazy and things happening. And Warehouse 13 is kind of like magic <laughs> happens and they've crossed over okay. uh, and they have crossovers. And it's just like, but why is this? Why? It doesn't really make sense that they cross over. It's just that they're on the same network. Um, so when there's that good connection of like, oh, this is all kind of like taking place. Like, oh, there's a, you know, oh, you know, Metropolis and Gotham are in the same America, right? And then you can, you know, most of the time they're separate, but then you can have a little bit of like, they're not that far away from each other. So, you know, one can sort of easily sort of blend into each other. I think that is the probably the way when there's already a sort of a a foundation of it occurring semi-naturally in a way that makes sense when they have similar you know you know similar themes or similar tropes or whatever that 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 makes sense together even though like you've got like in a marvel you know obviously dr strange is magic and iron man is science right but like somehow they they exist in they exist they've existed in the same universe before so it makes sense for them to exist in the same universe again if that makes sense it makes sense yeah one of my favorite crossovers from the last uh, decade or so was uh, Batman meets the Ninja Turtles because oh, yeah. it works better than like, the more you think about it, the better it works because Batman yeah. already hangs out with a lot of martial arts teenagers mm-hmm. and they already have like just really uh, wacky villains and whatnot. And otherwise they're still like very street level characters. Right. Yeah. And so um, there were a couple of anime, uh, sorry, a couple of comic miniseries and then one of them was adapted to an animated series and the animated, or sorry, an animated miniseries. Uh, 
the animated one is just flat out amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, it's some of the best Ninja Turtles writing. Like mm. one time uh, Donatello just corrects Raphael with something because Donatello's the smart one and Raphael's the, the sassy one. And just the way, like, Raphael's just like, oh, yeah, thanks, Donnie. Like, it is such a dismissive, brotherly way of saying, <laughs> yes, you're yeah. right. Now shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Batman is no stranger to, like, mutation villains, too, right? He's got, he's got Man Bat and, and I think probably more than one. Uh, uh, Killer Croc is kind of like yeah. a mutated guy. And he's, well, he takes, he's in the sewer all the time, too. So, yeah, like, yeah, that kind of stuff makes sense. Now, in the comic that the uh, miniseries was based on um there was one moment where all of the arkham villains get mutated and it oh was boy. like that's that's the cliffhanger at the end of issue three and it's really just like this splash page of all these familiar characters and you're like oh why is that animal the one they chose like it's it's really fun but then issue four starts with them getting beat up in like the first page and somehow <laughs> batman takes out his entire rogues gallery mutated in one or two pages and then it gets back into the plot Whereas in the animated series, they decide to make it like a major part of Act Two, where this yeah. is uh, like like even Joker's in it in the comic, but he really only shows up for the four or five panels, and it's like that doesn't feel appropriate for a character of the significance of Joker. So yeah. um, in the animated series, it's Joker who gets his hand on the ooze, even though like it's the the main um, the main villain team up is Rachel Ghoul and Shredder. And so uh, Joker is kind of this chaotic element. He steals the ooze that everyone is going after, mutates a bunch of people at uh, Arkham Asylum, and then Batman and the Ninja Turtles have to go in there and beat them all up. And it's like a significant scene and one of the selling points of the the series, uh, yeah. which just handles the same concept much better than the comic had. Yeah, yeah, but that that I gotta go check that out because the the concept of the sort of like alternate versions of characters I'm, I'm always super fascinated with you know when you talk about like spider ham and that sort of entire <laughs> spider ham universe yeah. is i'm like oh well and then what's this one and what's this what's this one you know what do i know and how do they get changed in this weird version someone was telling me recently that there is a spider ham 2099 it's like miles porcalis Oh, I, I, I've been seeing a lot though on Twitter is uh, uh, Meows Morales, which is he's a cat, oh, nice. spider cat. But I, I don't know if that's in the new movie or not. But if there's 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 definitely a lot of like spider ham and meows sort of talking to each other. And I don't I think they might have done that recently in the comic. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I I don't know if you've seen Across the Spider Verse, but not yet. So I. I know Spider-Man fairly well, maybe even, mm -hmm. maybe not quite that well, but just watching it and just knowing that, like, at one point in the background, there's um, Mary Jane in her Spider-Man suit from, uh, anyway, there was some crossover as though right, yeah. they had a kid and then their kid got spider powers and it's about mm -hmm. parents growing up with a kid with spider powers. And it, they really rush past the explanation here, but basically Spider-Man develops a suit that shares his powers with her, so it becomes a whole spider family. So oh, fun. anyway, so it, it's it's a short-lived series. It didn't it didn't last very long. It didn't really take off. But that Mary Jane costume shows up in the background and it just made me think like, I know that. And it's not like it's getting spotlighted or explained. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling the majority of the hundreds of Spider-Mans all have yeah. some kind of deep cut meaning. Like very that, few of these are original concepts, I think. It's it's true. I think they they've like uh, even in the even in the first one, it was just like there's these idea like the, all these spider-mans they they 
Sp- sorry, Spider's Man um, <laughs> uh, exists. Um, that is also actually, actually a Spider-Man. Uh, Spider's Man it yeah. is a bunch of spiders. Um, uh, so, yeah. Wild. If you haven't seen Spider-Verse, I highly recommend it, as everyone oh, is. Yeah, I know. I, 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 it's, it's on, it's on my list. It's high up on the list of the thing I want to see next, basically. Um, this is not a spoiler. This is to avert disappointment. When mm-hmm. it was announced, it was Across the Spider Verse Part One with Across the Spider Verse Part Two coming out next March, and then it was changed to This is Across the Spider Verse. The next one's Beyond the Spider Verse. So, mm-hmm. if it only feels like half a movie, yeah, fair enough. There's another half coming. I, 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 I'm, I'm aware the third one is coming out at some, you know, in 2025. But so, no, 2024. It's really you have to wait less than a year for the next one. Oh, I thought, I thought they pushed it to 2025. Okay, but it's 2024. Great. Yeah, I don't. I, I have a feeling that the writing on this was done years ago. So I don't think the writer sure. strike is affecting it. It's, it's the Fair. animation that makes these movies take forever. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um. All right, so uh, one thing that I'm directly going to reference the field guide for is uh, mm-hmm. in the introduction, uh, which was written uh, by Brian C.P. Steele, um, after establishing all the different worlds, just in case you're going into the field guide and you don't know one or more of these brands, we give you just the, right. the cliff notes of what you need to know about the continuity, the tone, everything that makes these worlds cool. Uh, and then it talks about how you would cross these over. And the way Brian explained the three different levels of how you could do a crossover, I really appreciate. Uh, it's the extent of the crossover is the section, and the difference is a visit, a layer, or a melting pot. And a visit would be like that Batman Ninja Turtles crossover I talked about where, oops, right. we've stumbled into your dimension. We're just here long enough to get back to our dimension. But while we're here, we're going to have some wacky adventures together. Right. Uh, whereas a layer is more like what we were talking about with uh, how both Sunbow and Marvel handled G.I. Joe and Transformers. The idea is they're both there. They're separate. Every now and then they might cross over. Every now and then something one does might influence the other in its own way. Uh, But they are still, they're distinct universes, but you don't really need to explain when they cross over because it's Mm -hmm. always possible. Yeah. And then the melting pot is, uh, I'm sure we talked about one example that's like a melting pot. Oh yeah, the melting pot is more like those uh, standalone miniseries that I was talking about where they just got really wacky mm-hmm. with the G.I. Joe crossover, uh, Transformers crossovers because they knew this was its own continuity. And so it takes the two established things and it mushes them together and just yeah. tries to find the most interesting different combinations. And uh, yeah, so it, if you are planning a crossover campaign or if you are looking forward to the field guide and you're wondering just how you're going to implement it, uh, mechanically it goes into all of these different options, but also just I think this is some just really solid advice of things you should talk about when you are, you know, meeting to make a campaign. Because if you want to play a Power Rangers campaign and you want the possibility for a crossover with G.I. Joe and Transformers, you just need to define, well, what is the likelihood? Is it just that Cobra is as viable a threat as Putties? Or is it that, you know, Cobra is the main threat and you're doing like just what if instead of G.I. Joe, the Power Rangers were taking them on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was it's really well done. I, that was it was a, one of the all one of the many awesome points of the book. And we're just in the introduction. I would say this is one of I our know. strongest introductions. <laughs> Fair. 
So we'll get back to more talking about uh, the Field Guide to Action Adventure, its development, and uh, get more into some of the more mechanical aspects next episode. But for now, before we wrap things up, there is some Essence 20 news that we should be talking about. Mm -hmm. This is the first episode since the June 9th edition of the Renegade Con Just Wait. Yeah. All right, so there were reveals for all four of the different brands, but uh, again, this was not an Essence 20 specific um, reveal panel. It was an all Renegades thing reveal panel, and then there was a second panel that was very focused on World of Darkness. So uh, there were just come kind of uh, new titles to look forward to were thrown out there. Some got uh, some of the brands got more attention than others. So we'll just go through what was announced for Power Rangers: A Time of Night. That's night with a K. Adventure was announced. So, Jason, you were saying that there's uh, an interesting tie-in to the Jump Through Time source book that is coming out. Yeah, that that's the jump that's the Jump Through Time adventure that sort of was written at the same time, and then just sort of for page count, kind of made its own product. Um, I don't don't actually don't know much about this particular adventure. I know that oh. the one that we talked about was the uh, earlier was the Phantom Gambit adventure, which comes through the uh, across the stars tie-in uh, uh, book, Power Rangers book. Oh, okay. I didn't realize this has happened twice then. Yeah, this is the second time. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, was the first time by accident, second time by design? Or was it both times it was decided? I mean, to... they were both written at the same time. I think okay. the, the adventures were both written at the same time. And in both uh, it, for 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 Across the Stars, it was just sort of decided, let's let's take this and put this as a separate thing. And then, oh, we did that. We're, let's just do that for, for the Jump Through Time adventure as well. So uh, do you know how big these adventures are? Um, they, you know, um, the ones that we have in the back of the Corbel books, they're about the same size as that. So it, it, okay. it's going to be, maybe they got a little padded out so, so they could be printed. Uh, but we're talking like 32 pages, maybe something like that. Okay. So yeah, having written a couple of the adventures in the rule books, I don't think of those as large enough to be a product on their own. So I wasn't sure if this was just twice the size of say snake pit or the adventure in the, uh, uh, field they, they're a little longer. I would say they're a little longer than those. That's why they kind of kind of got shifted out. Uh, but they're they're not much longer. They're not like sixty four page books or anything like that. They're just sort of like here are these. I mean, we got a you know extra stat box that are in there for the specifically for the adventure, just to sort of save on the page count for the hard covers. You know, just sort of shift them off. And then I believe this was announced at just wait on June 9th, is that uh, Power Rangers Hero Miniatures Set Two is coming. It's possible this was announced earlier. Uh, and I don't know Power Rangers enough to know what people should be excited about that. So if you want more miniatures, look it up and yep. you'll see what cool things are in uh, Heroes. Uh, Hero Miniatures set two. Uh, G.I. Joe had, I think, the... It, it, I think it had the biggest reveal, or maybe my it and My Little Pony. And that is that we've got a new source book coming out in November called Factions in Action, Volume 1, Ferocious Fighters. And uh, as was shown in the art and as was explained, mm -hmm. it's going to introduce a whole bunch of new factions, famous factions, and some more obscure ones, all that fit the Ferocious Fighters theme. We got Tiger Force and Python Patrol are the big ones. They each get a chapter mm -hmm. on their own. And then several others that just like fit mechanically, fit uh, with right. those two, um, get their own chapter at the end. And the one that people seem most excited about is Cobra, Cobra Law. People have even suggested Cobra Law could have gotten its own source book, but I don't think people realize just how little Cobra Law is out there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, between Nemesis and Forcer showing up in the Field Guide to Action and Adventure, 
um, and Cobra Law getting its own uh, featured section, or not a featured section, but its own section in Factions in Action. That basically covers Cobra Law for us. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you're done. <laughs> you got it all. So I am really looking forward to this book coming out. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I like this format and the fact that it's volume one, I think does indicate that people can expect more to come, but the idea yeah, that, hopefully. uh, we get to pair up some things that people absolutely love, like tiger force and Python patrol, uh, with something that is more obscure. Like we've got the dino hunters in there and the mega monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets people, if you don't want mega monsters, they're only taking up a couple of pages in your book. Yeah. There's plenty of other stuff in there that you probably do want. But if you do want Mega Monsters and you thought there was no way we would ever get to the Mega Monsters, good news. We've got this dedicated product that has a whole bunch of stuff, uh, those options from that obscure piece of G.I. Joe history. Yeah, I mean, you know, G.I. Joe has a, a lot of factions. This this is the kind of book that works well specifically for G.I. Joe, whereas it wouldn't work so well for Transformers or Power Rangers. They kind of have their own kind of niche ways of doing things. Now, I know uh, whenever we talk about Slaughter's Marauders, I bring up that Tiger Force makes no sense. That's because Tiger Force was fresh in my mind while I was working on this book. Sure, yeah. But when I say it makes no sense, it was said with love. <laughs> Fair. Uh, then we got the Cobra Codex PDF was released for pre-orders. And people have been reading it over and they're very happy with it. We'll probably be talking about this shortly after Gen Con. It all depends on when it gets released. It It's soon, but it feels nice. further away than some of the other Gen Con releases. Um, and it's, I don't know, there, there was an interesting history to its development and how we ended up where it is. And specifically, a lot of the options that people are uh, really happy with, um, like the equipment packages and mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, characters get to choose their division and that there you get a, a division perk instead of just like the one faction perk. A lot of that stuff came way later in the production of oh, this okay. book. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when we get to talk about that, I think that's going to be a really fun breakdown. It's definitely like makes almost like uh, opens up the character creation system in a lot of ways that that's wider than it was before. Yeah. So one of the things that was uh, caused a lot of internal debate when I was working on the book is that this is the first new source book for G.I. Joe. After yeah. the core rulebook. I mean, Solitaire's Marauders ended up uh, jumping the queue and it released some new options. But um, but really, like, we've got two adventures uh, between the core rulebook and this. But this was supposed to be the next thing where you could get character creation options. But it's a very specific theme of this is the bad guys. Right. So how yeah. many, how broad should these options go? How much should we expect people to pick up this book for their G.I. Joe character uh, options? That was all the things that I, I had to ask myself while I was deciding what uh, what went where. Okay. Well, I, I you know I had a lot of fun with this one. Yay! So people, well, people are liking it. Uh, and then My Little Pony announced Dark Skies over Equestria, and this is uh, interesting in that it, in a lot of ways, it's an adventure series book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unlike the previous adventure series, instead of being four adventures, it is six linked adventures, and it is introduced with a whole bunch of new uh, player-focused options. So there is a new playable uh, origin, which is the the uh, changelings, uh, and then new spells, new influences, all themed around changelings, which is the theme of the book. But unlike uh, Operation Cold Iron or Across the Stars, these aren't purely adventure books. These are adventure books with player-focused options. And I wouldn't be surprised if this then becomes the, the, the next evolution of the adventure series books. Oh, that yeah, that 
makes a lot of sense. Now, Across the Stars was also not an adventure as a full oh. source book. But what am I thinking but, of? Uh, whatever the other one is, That's the one. punishment. I think. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Glove of Punishment is the, is the is the adventure that comes with the jam screen. It's called yeah. like um, uh, Adventures in Angel Grove. Is the yes yeah. se- the adventure series for Power Rangers or Time is Now for Transformers? Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we got a Transformers announcement, and that is Decepticon Directive. Uh, it is the Transformers equivalent mm-hmm. of Cobra Codex. It is the Be the Bad Guys uh, source book. Very little was announced about this. It, I know some of the options that are in there that were not talked about, and so I'm going to try not to say anything just because I don't know what I know versus what was officially announced. Same, same. Okay. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I, yeah, know a lot about this book, and uh, uh, I can't wait for people to hear more about it. We were talking about, I didn't know what would be revealed at Just Wait. I am surprised that Factions in Action got revealed. I'm not surprised about Deceptive yeah. Directive. That feels no, like... No, I knew that one. Yeah, that one. yeah. That's, that's been mentioned in Whispers for a long time. Plus, it yeah. follows the format of what the other books, or the other settings have done. Yeah. But it just shows that there's just this constant churn of Essence 20 products that are still coming. And it's mm-hmm. still exciting stuff. Like, people were as excited about what they think will be in factions in action as they were about Cobra Codex, a book that they had, that they had the PDF yeah. of and could see <laughs> the actual options in it. So it's yeah, cool yeah, yeah. that we're not just like <clears throat> that. We have delivered on promises so well up until now that more promises makes them excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's again, also other stuff that I know that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, coming that I think people are going to be really excited about. Excellent. All right. Well, that's about time we wrap things up. So thank you for joining us for episode 19 of Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 News Reviews and Interviews podcast. If you'd like to check out more great gaming podcasts, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. We'd like to thank our patrons. If you would like to support the network so that we can continue to put out content like this and some of the other great content that is up on the network, the blogs and the podcasts, you can go to patreon.com slash no direction. Donate whatever you feel is uh, appropriate for your budget. It just helps us keep our equipment up to date. It helps us pay for our server fees. And of course, thank you to Word Burglar for the use of Letter from Snake Eyes. Part four, you can find out more at wordburglar.com. And uh, actually, Word Burglar is coming to the Montreal Comic Con uh, next month. But I'm going on Saturday. He's going on Sunday. So we're going to miss each other, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I'll I'll see when he's getting into town. Maybe maybe we'll hang out. Oh, maybe. That'd be exciting. We should do it. That'd be pretty cool. Until next time, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jason Keeley. Peace through tyranny. Oh. Well, it started with peace, oh. and that was like, nice. Nice. Ended with tyranny, and that's like, that's not nice. Well, we were talking about the Decepticons, though. Don't question it, some things are better left unsaid Except my demons that were screaming like the undead I let them in every day My main meditation was taking them down My pain medication Shanna sighed And she knew she couldn't call me At least until I found out what happened to Tommy That mission was private For now the objective was stopping the threat Of this venomous collective Spreading across the globe I was ready to lock and load With flash, grand slam, clutch, zap, and rock and roll Hawk, steal a grunt, breaker, and short fuse before I knew, I gained a whole lot more to lose.